We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Two guests on the show today. Doc Walker will be on the show today. He will be calling the game tomorrow at Arrowhead between the Washington uh, Commanders and the Kansas City Chiefs in preseason game number two. Uh, And then Ross Tucker uh, from all over the place. I mean, Ross works for Westwood One. He calls games for CBS Sports Network on Saturdays during the fall. Uh, He's doing Eagles preseason games. Ross Tucker will talk some NFL uh, with us, and we'll get his thoughts on the Deshaun Watson 11-game suspension, $5 million fine. Uh, And, by the way, what I think is an intriguing story, where the hell is Tom Brady, and why is he taking all of this time off right in the middle of training camp? Uh, But we'll talk a lot of football, too, and get Ross's thoughts on uh, the Commanders and on the NFC East and a lot more. Uh, the show today is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Um, use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. This is the last weekend without legitimate football. Yeah, next week you have some college games, and my bookie's got all of those lines up already. The following week is Labor Day weekend, and you get uh, college football full-fledged weekend number one. And three weeks from today, we will be gearing up for the opening of the NFL season. Actually, we'll be talking about the first game of the year, which was three weeks from last night, the Buffalo uh, Rams uh, season opener. But uh, three weeks from today, we'll be gearing up for the first NFL regular season weekend of the year. Go to my bookie, uh, fair lines, fair pricing. Uh, they've got a, an online casino. They've got an online race book. They've got all of the preseason NFL prop bets that you want. MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. And again, they'll double your first deposit. Not many shops are doing that. Uh, MyBookie will double your money. So if you deposit 500 bucks, you'll have 1000 in your account. So uh, as I'm beginning to record this podcast, and before we get to Doc Walker and Ross Tucker, there is some breaking Washington Commanders news. Of course there is. Uh, And it's not football team related, really. 
Um, you know, get the chalkboard out in the warehouse and let's erase, you know, three days since the last accident and write zero again. No, that's not actually what it is. But this is, I guess, an example of what Jason Wright referred to as uh, one of these ghosts uh, from Christmas's past. Um, the past, though, wasn't like distant past. It was in the last year. It was like 10 months ago when the DEA came in to Redskins Park or Washington Football Team Park, whatever it was in Ashburn last October, and raided the building. Uh, and then went to Ryan Vermillion, who was the head athletic trainer of the team, and raided his townhouse as well. Washington put him on administrative leave. And this morning, as he was in court, we found out what all of this was about. Uh, by the way, Ryan Vermillion has been terminated uh, officially um, from he had been on this administrative leave. He's now been fired um, from the Washington commanders. Um, so what did we learn? Well, John Kime was there and he wrote about it in great detail. I'm not going to read his entire story, but I'll read the first couple of paragraphs um, so you get a sense of what was learned this morning in court where Ryan Vermillion was um, in uh, U.S. District Court in Virginia uh, this morning. Uh, former Washington commanders, John Kime writes, head athletic trainer Ryan Vermillion, who's been under investigation by the Drug Enforcement Agency for illegally distributing oxycodone to NFL players, agreed to deferred prosecution and the U.S. Attorney's Office Statement of Facts on Friday morning. According to the government's criminal information filing, Vermillion is accused of unlawfully acquiring and obtaining possession of oxycodone by misrepresentation, fraud, forgery, deception, and, and subterfuge. Vermillion appeared uh, in U.S. District Court Friday, and he agreed to uh, the court's statement of facts and the decision to defer prosecution for 12 months. He will have to adhere to uh, essentially a bunch of guidelines that they've laid out over the next year uh, for him to avoid being prosecuted uh, criminally a year from now. So as of now, he's not been prosecuted, um, but uh, he's got 12 months to essentially get his act together and not, you know, pursue uh, multiple things, including, by the way, a job as a head athletic, uh, head athletic trainer, excuse me, um, for any sports uh, team. Um, part of his plea agreement is that he agrees to pay a $10,000 criminal fine, undergo periodic drug testing. He may not leave the state of North Carolina where he currently resides without permission from the court and is banned from possessing any controlled substances or firearms. For the duration of the agreement, Vermillion agreed not to participate or list membership in activities sponsored by professional athletic trainers, including the Professional Football Trainers Society and the National Athletic Trainers Association. He also agreed, as I mentioned before, to not seek employment as an athletic trainer in relation to any sports team in any capacity. If he complies with the conditions of the agreement over the next 12 months, the criminal charges um, will uh, be completely dismissed. Any uh, uh, decision on criminal uh, charges will be uh, dismissed. So netting it out, he essentially, if you read through Kimes' lengthy, very detailed story, he is he was an athletic trainer. He wasn't a doctor. 
he wasn't allowed to prescribe Schedule II narcotics or painkillers to players, but he was doing that with players. And when the players weren't uh, taking these controlled substances, he essentially was hoarding it so that he had it to give to players. He was not doing it for the purposes of any sort of financial gain or kickback. That was uh, part of what they revealed this morning. Um, But he did break the rules and break the law by using uh, actual prescription pads for the two official team doctors legally able to prescribe Schedule II uh, painkillers. He used those prescription pads without anybody knowing. Um, So, uh, by the way, when they... Uh, when they broke into the building last October, they were looking for a black travel bag that apparently he had used to store the oxycodone and also hydrocodone um, as they went to away games, essentially in the process crossing state lines. He would then distribute the drugs, often stored in small white envelopes in a pocket labeled pill envelopes, to players without relying on a physician authorized to prescribe those drugs. So they seized that black bag with lots of other things. Then they went to his home and seized a bunch of stuff as well. Now, uh, the team had a statement. It came from Ron Rivera. It was in conjunction with the announcement that they were terminating Ryan Vermillion because he's actually been on administrative leave all of this time. But after um, this morning's uh, appearance in court and the agreeing by Vermillion to the statement of facts, um, the team then terminated him. And there was a statement from Rivera, which I will read from here in a moment. But the NFL and the NFL Players Association also had a joint statement released this morning where they announced that they will initiate a joint investigation to determine whether the commanders complied with the NFL and the NFLPA's jointly established prescription drug monitoring program. Now, the commanders have pledged their support and cooperation, and the NFL will require the team's medical and training staffs to attend training regarding obligations under federal and state law and the collective bargaining agreement. Um, The team's statement, which came from Ron Rivera, uh, read as follows, quote, I was recently made aware that Ryan Vermillion has entered into an agreement pursuant to which he has admitted to wrongdoing, but not been charged with any crime so long as he satisfies certain conditions over the next 12 months. The situation is unfortunate, and although it resulted in no criminal charges, it was necessary to move forward in a different direction. Ryan's employment has been terminated. I want to emphasize that the U.S. government confirmed from the outset that it viewed the organization as a witness and not as a subject or target of the investigation. We cooperated fully with the federal investigators, and we will continue to cooperate with any supplemental league and NFLPA inquiry. Closed quote. That was the statement from Ron Rivera. Um, representing uh, the organization in that statement. And that last line was in answer to the league and the NFLPA in, in their joint statement announcing a joint investigation into the team. Uh, Now, this is different from some of the investigations. I know it seems like there's one investigation after another, 
into this organization, and there has been for some time. Um, but it certainly would appear, uh, from a distance anyway, that the team is not really guilty of anything here, and they've been very cooperative throughout the process, and they will continue to be cooperative throughout the process as the NFL and the NFLPA now uh, investigate uh, uh, that the, you know and find out whether or not the commanders were complying with the NFL and the NFLPA's jointly established prescription drug monitoring program. And what they're going to look at is they're going to look at, did they know what Ryan Vermillion was doing? Were they too loose? Because he apparently had access to the team doctor's prescription pads. Um, and, you know, we can say that the team is fully cooperating and has been fully cooperating. But you also have to acknowledge that Ryan Vermillion was a Ron Rivera hire, one of the Carolina hires. He had been with him in Carolina. And he brought somebody into the organization that committed a crime. Now, he may not be, uh, he may not be charged with a crime, but we will only know that for sure in 12 months. So... Anyway, uh, just another, you know, another headline for this gold standard franchise uh, and something from not so long ago. But, you know, it, it was odd, wasn't it, over the course of the last 10 months that we didn't really know specifically. I think I had guessed a couple of times that he was prescribing, you know, drugs that um, he wasn't allowed to prescribe or he was accessing drugs that he wasn't. Uh, supposed to access, whether it was, you know, anti-anxiety drugs or whether it was, you know, uh, illegal weed or legal weed or, you know, and I, and I think I said at one point, maybe it's painkillers, maybe it's schedule two narcotics. I know a little bit about that whole thing because in a past business, we dealt with pharmacies all over the country and I kind of learned, you know, like what could be delivered and what couldn't be delivered. This was, you know, back in the nineties, but I don't really know much about it in all honesty from certainly not from a medical standpoint, but I do know the differentiation between um, schedule twos um, and other kinds of uh, more um, sort of simple, less dangerous drugs, I guess, would be the uh, way uh, to describe them. Less addictive drugs, I guess. So there you go. We now, now know what Ryan Vermillion was doing, and we now know that the NFL and the NFLPA are going to investigate the team, uh, another investigation of the team to make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing while Ryan Vermillion was breaking the law inside um, their building. There you go. Um, real quickly, though, before we get to Doc uh, and talk about tomorrow's game, um, I want to say a couple of things about tomorrow's game. And I also want to real quickly just weigh in a little bit, which we will discuss with Ross Tucker uh, as well, on the Deshaun Watson um, situation. Deshaun Watson getting 11 games as a, as a suspension, a $5 million fine, which, by the way, is a $5 million donation to charity, which is, you know, most of you know, is, you know, uh, tax deductible or certainly a percentage of it is tax deductible. Um, you know, the bottom line on this is I, you know, don't really have a massive opinion one way or the other about the length of the suspension. We figured that when Sue L. Robinson gave him six games but, call, but referred to his behavior as egregious and predatory, um, and the league had wanted 
a year and really an indefinite suspension for at least a year, and they appealed her ruling, we knew that it was more likely than not going to land somewhere between six games and 17, a full season. You know, I think I I guessed 12 with Tommy last week when we last uh, talked about this. Um, I, I have very little sort of, uh, you know, passion one way or the other about the ruling. You know, I know a lot of people are, are really bent out of shape, think, you know, he shouldn't have gotten anything because he wasn't criminally charged. And other people think, you know, he should have gotten a full year and certainly been fined as if, uh, you know, he was getting a normal amount of base salary uh, for this first year. Remember, Cleveland not only paid him $230 million in a fully guaranteed contract. They structured the deal so that the first year of the deal was a very low base salary number, knowing or certainly thinking that there was a chance he could be suspended and they wanted uh, wanted it to cost him as little as possible, which you know is part of the unseemliness of all of this. What my big issue with uh, is after yesterday is just how it was handled from a public relations standpoint. You know, there was a statement put out by the team from Deshaun Watson that was fairly benign overall. And then there was a follow-up media appearance with Deshaun Watson. The statement, if it had just been left alone and nobody else, you know, had talked the, the, the entire remainder of the day, it would have been fine. The statement read from Deshaun Watson, I'm grateful that the disciplinary process has ended and I'm extremely appreciative of the tremendous support I have received throughout my short time with the Browns organization. Uh, He said, I apologize once again for any pain this situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. My focus going forward is is on working to become the best version of myself on and off the field and supporting my teammates however possible while I'm away from the team. I'm excited about what the future holds for me in Cleveland. And that was it. And then later on yesterday, he met with the media and he professed his innocence. You know, he acknowledged some guilt last week in an interview. This statement at least acknowledged the pain he's caused and the accountability that he wants to take for it. And then he couldn't help himself when he got in front of the media because this thing was now settled. He decided to, you know, I guess, continue with where he was, you know, a couple of weeks ago in his overall uh, presentation of this. He said, quote, I'll continue to stand on my innocence just because, you know, settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. I feel like a person has an opportunity to stand on his innocence and prove that. And we prove that from a legal side and just, and just going to continue to push forward as an individual and as a person. Um, you know, then he talked about wanting to tell his side of the story someday. That's definitely the plan. That's definitely the goal. I feel like through the whole process, I've been trying to tell my side of the story, but a lot of people just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. For everyone that was affected by this situation, there were just a lot of people that were triggered. Closed quote. Um... Just a terrible idea to let him speak after the statement was out. Or a terrible idea not to have him commit to being prepared and steering clear of these kinds of answers. 
It's almost as if, you know, they threw out the idea of a settlement because remember, this was appealed. We never heard from the person hearing the appeal because there was a settlement. Part of the settlement, I'm sure, was the league, you know, accepting this interview that he did last week where he took, you know, he took accountability for his actions. And then you get the deal done and it's 11 games and it's 5 million bucks. And it's, yeah, I just want to make sure everybody understands I'm innocent. You know, just because I settled with 24 victims and by the way, still counting, I'm innocent, man. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean I'm guilty of anything. And I understand he was never criminally charged. He wasn't. But we had an investigation by this new disciplinary uh, person within the NFL who called his behavior egregious and predatory. We all know commonsensically that when you seek out massage therapy from Instagram model pages and from sketchy shopping centers, and the New York Times said 66 different massage therapists were used. Every single professional athlete has said, well, of course they would never use that many. There are one or two, maybe three that are go-tos. None of them having anything to do with ties to the organization. These were not team-related massage therapists. We all understand what was going on here. And we can all understand, too, that there is the possibility that a lot of this was consensual. You know, I'm not suggesting that he's fully guilty of committing crimes, But we do know that the investigation revealed that he did commit sexual assault and that his behavior was egregious and predatory. And 24 civil settlements? Come on. He may be innocent of having done something that a a grand jury felt was indictable, but he certainly wasn't innocent of impacting many lives uh, of women who were there just to give a massage. If that's true, if all of these women, you know, conducted in some of these, uh, you know, these situations in a consensual way, there wouldn't have been 24 settlements for crying out loud. This is far from a he said, she said, when you settle 24 times and still counting. Again, I'm all for second chances. I'm all for, you know, hoping he is rehabilitated and the league is going to put him through. You know, he's got to go to to a lot of these uh, classes and he's got to do a lot in in, in addition to being suspended um, and having to pay a $5 million donation um, penalty, a charitable donation penalty. I'm all for second chances. I hope he gets his act in order. I hope he comes back from this. But the first reaction from him, you certainly would think that he is missing the overall point. We all, I think, understand yet that, yes, sometimes very wealthy people, people of you know celebrity pe- celebrities will settle rather than have details of something come out. It may be in their best interest for that to happen. In the same way, by the way, Victims of sexual assault often won't come forward. We know that victims of sexual assault, 
sometimes don't come forward, but it doesn't mean that they weren't assaulted. In his case, just because I settled doesn't mean I'm guilty of anything. Uh, It's just the way it was handled by him afterwards that just leads me to believe this dude just still doesn't get it. Okay, we all know what he was doing. We all know how, you know, most of it shook out. He wasn't criminally charged with anything, but he settled 24 times and maybe more to come. And he's been suspended for 11 games. If he was so innocent, why isn't he fighting for no suspension? Why why did they know when the six-game suspension was coming down, did they just accept it? I mean, you could say that if he really felt strongly about his total innocence, why did he settle? Well, again, there are reasons to settle, but 24 times? No, there's too much smoke here, obviously, for there not to be a raging fire. I hope it works out for him. The owner, um, Haslam, you know, also, you know, had a pretty bad uh, PR response. You know, talking about... um, uh, Deshaun uh, Watson, you know, talking about second chances, you know, saying that Deshaun's made progress since the time he arrived here, you know, that he's taken accountability. And then, you know, this was obviously shortly either before or after without him knowing that he, you know, said that, you know, he professes his, you know, innocence and he hopes to be able to tell the story about how innocent he is in the future. Um, but uh, the Browns co owner, Jimmy Haslam, said uh, and compared him to Kareem Hunt. He said they, you know, they signed Kareem Hunt off of his domestic uh, violence issues. But remember, the the Kareem Hunt situation was much different. Kareem Hunt wasn't signed for the largest contract guaranteed in the history of of the game and then had the deal structured so that if he got suspended, it would cost him the least amount of money. You know, uh, Andrew Brandt is a pretty good follow on Twitter. We've had Andrew on the show many times. Andrew was the team president of the Green Bay Packers during the Favre and then the beginning of the Aaron Rodgers years. And he teaches at Villanova, and he's very active um, as a media person on business matters and things like this as it relates to um, the NFL. And there were a couple of tweets that I wanted to read from him because I thought they were spot on. Uh, this is uh, one right after the ruling came out. One, uh, quote, Watson settled 24 of 25 and counting civil suits. The Texans settled another 30 civil suits. And Watson is accepting banishment from the NFL until mid-November with a $5 million fine. But he still thinks he did nothing wrong. Yeah, that's my point. If you did nothing wrong, if you're completely innocent, why are you accepting 11 games and a $5 million fine? Why were you so willing to just accept whatever Sue L. Robinson came up with because they knew it was going to be six games? You know, it, the, it, he, he also um, uh, tweeted out, uh, where is it? There was another good tweet from uh, Brant. <clears throat> oh, I guess he was retweeting this and he just wrote, Oi, um, Jeff Darlington had tweeted out, Jimmy Haslam, people deserve second chances. Roger Goodell, Deshaun is committed to doing the hard work on himself. And then Deshaun Watson, quote, I've always been able to stand on my innocence, and I've always said I never assaulted or disrespected anybody. Close quote. You know, those were the quotes yesterday. You know, second chances, 
Roger Goodell, Deshaun's committed to doing the hard work, and there's Deshaun. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm. I'm innocent. You know, I didn't disrespect anybody. Sorry, some people were triggered. Bad, bad day for the NFL. But per usual, the NFL will move on, and once they start to play the games, none of this stuff will matter. And when Deshaun Watson comes back, by the way, the first game he's eligible to come back for, um, if he's reinstated, you know, if he does everything they're telling him to do, would be against the Houston Texans, his former team. The former team that signed him to this massive deal, and then within a year, uh, Deshaun Watson wanted to renege on the deal, wanted out, wanted to be traded. That's the other part of this. I know I've talked about this before. But actually what benefited Deshaun Watson financially were all of these allegations and civil lawsuits. He earned every single penny for not playing last year in Houston. Every single penny. He was prepared to hold out. He would have lost all of that money. Uh, And instead, he earned all of that money as they were looking into all of this. And I'm sure he used a lot of that money that he earned from the Texans last year for not playing to pay off some of these women. Ugh. Uh, oh, the, the other part of this thing is this. I know that I was all for trading for Deshaun Watson before any of this stuff started to happen. I would have given up everybody. I said that. I think he is, the last time I saw him play, I think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's one of the top you know, six to eight, nine quarterbacks in the NFL. And it was a very unique situation. 25 years old, not even in his prime as a quarterback yet. Um, and he was available with four years of a contract at 25 years old. Yeah, I would have given up anything. And then after all of the, you know, um, happy ending uh, places and, and massage uh, therapy places, yeah, um, all of all of what came out, I was still like, you know what? For this organization, it'd be terrible. But how much worse could it get? Like, you know, they're already at the, you know, lowest of rock bottoms. They just have to win. So if, if, you know, he's cleared by the league, if some of these charges are settled, if, you know, he's not criminally charged, why not? Well, I was dead wrong about, uh, about that. It could have gotten a lot worse here. Imagine yesterday if he had been a Washington commander. It would have been... Uh, I mean, it would have been an all-timer for the league. Um, And then again, we'd be looking at the schedule and saying, all right, uh, what's the 12th game on the schedule? When's he coming back for us? It looks like the Giants game on December 4th. He'll be back for the uh, back-to-back games against the Giants. God, remember that about the uh, commander schedule this year? They have that weird scheduling um, situation where they play the Giants on Sunday, December 4th, and have a bye week, and then they play the Giants when they come back off the bye week on December 18th. God, they have super – I think this is this has got to be the latest bye week they've ever had. Uh, Cleveland does play here in Washington on January 1st. The Browns will play here. I would think that Jacoby Brissett as the Browns quarterback with a pretty good team in a division with you know the defending AFC champions and the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Pittsburgh, you would think, you know – New quarterback. I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discount Mike Tomlin ever again. I mean, this guy has proven that he can do more with less than almost anybody in the league. 
They were in the playoffs last year, the Steelers were, with basically a guy, a quarterback, that couldn't throw the ball. Uh, But Cleveland plays here on January 1, and when he comes back for the Houston game, they'll have six games left. I would say Jacoby Brissett's got to go like five and six as a starter. And that way, Watson, who, you know, at that point, it will have been two years since he last played. You know, December of 2022, the last time he played was December of 2020. So who knows how good he'll even be after two years of a layoff of not playing. But if Brissett could go five and six, six and five, and they start with, by the way, Carolina, the Jets, Pittsburgh, and Atlanta. Four teams not expected to be playoff teams. Three of those teams, well, two of those teams, the Jets in Atlanta, predicted to be among the three or four worst teams in the league this year. So the Browns got a bit of a scheduling break. Like, can Brissett, you know, get him to three and one during that stretch? And if they, if he can, can he figure out? Can they figure out how to win maybe two or three more games to give Watson a chance when he gets back? Maybe. All right, uh, the game tomorrow, before we get to Doc, and I'll talk, we'll talk much more about the game with Doc and about the team. Um, I, I just want to see a couple of things. I, I, I want to see Gibson perform well, because, uh, and I expect him to perform well. If you go back to every single time he's faced adversity after a fumble, the Chargers in the opener had a great game the following Thursday night against the Giants. The game against the, uh, the Panthers, when he uh, fumbled in the first half, got benched and then rushed for 78 out of his 90 uh yeah 97 95 yards 78 of his 95 yards in the second half may have been the best half of the season for him i think that antonio gibson is going to play well tomorrow it's obviously a preseason game but it is the number one storyline of the game tomorrow is how gibson plays i also still believe that gibson's going to be the starting running back opening day I certainly reserve the right to change that, which I might uh, on Monday's show, depending on what happens tomorrow. But I still think that Gibson's going to be given the first shot. Um, You know, we might see him on a kickoff return tomorrow. I also would like to see, and I don't know if we will, I would like to see Carson Wentz really throw the ball tomorrow. Just drop him back, put him in shotgun. Let's get the ball out of his hands. Let's see Dotson with a couple of catches, some rhythm developed with McLaurin. I want to see them approach this like many teams have in the past, which is, you know, and are still doing. Um, Not every team does it this way, where they just work on their pass offense. You know, have them play a quarter, have them play three to four series. I want to see 15 to 18 pass attempts. And then get them out. The problem with tomorrow in doing that is they are banged up along the offensive line. Really banged up along the offensive line. And because of that, you know, I wonder how much he'll actually play. Rivera kind of alluded to the challenge of having yesterday in practice, they had some dude named Aaron Montero, former Panther, of course, lined up as the starting guard. I had never heard of him. So if they're really banged up tomorrow, and by the way, by the way, that's becoming a concern, legitimate concern, as we you know are within three weeks of the opener. Other than that, uh, the tight ends, you're only going to have two of them healthy again, and Hodges and Rogers. I thought Rogers was impressive last week. I'd like to see a little bit more of him. I'd like to see more of Brian Robinson. We will. I think this Jonathan Williams really is a player they like. 
I also think Kelvin Harmon is a player that they like. I don't know if there's a spot for Kelvin Harmon, um, but I do think he's a player that the team likes. I mean, right now, McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, Sims are absolute locks. I think Deami Brown's a lock. My hesitation there is because, you know, there's Dax Milne, who could be a, a key returner. There's Alex Erickson, who could be a key returner. And I know that they like Harmon. And I'm wondering whether or not Deami Brown needs to be productive tomorrow and maybe even against Baltimore. Uh, other than that, like to see, you know, some Derek Forrest and some more secondary depth, signs of secondary depth. Uh, but, you know, tomorrow's actually a game, you know, it's against the Chiefs. This is a great opportunity for the defense to face Patrick Mahomes and that offense. I mean, you, you can't defensively get a better draw in the preseason than, than the second game against the Chiefs if you want to see where you are defensively. I hope Andy Reid plays Patrick Mahomes for a quarter. You know, I hope he plays for three or four series. If he does, then Washington should go with their starting defense to see where they are, see if they can get off the field on third down. All right, Doc Walker next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Oh my goodness. Sam Howell with touchdowns on back-to-back possessions. <laughs> you can't make this up. 
Oh, Kevin Sheehan, where are you? Bonifant in the backfield. Three receivers set. This is for the lead. Powell looking. He throws, and they convert. It's Erickson, the Commanders, who trailed by 14 at the start of the fourth quarter. Now lead by one. I know Rev T somewhere saying, believe, believe, you have to. Why play if you don't feel like winning? The only reason you go through this is to win, and it ain't over. There's still enough time on the clock. Now we have to really elevate our game on teams. That was last week against Carolina. Richard Doc Walker, who joins me right now, calling that preseason game and doing what he always does, which I've always enjoyed and loved, is somehow work my name into the play-by-play before before the two point conversion but i love i love how into it you were you know we've doc and i have talked you know several times this week and since last saturday i mean how much fun was that for you to be back in the booth well you know how it is man it, it is um like riding a bike uh you and i love being on the grass but also love being up top when you get a chance to focus on what these young people are trying to get accomplished. And I know that it's just preseason, but it isn't preseason just for the rookies. It's playoff time. It's their big bowl game. A lot of guys don't get to play in bowl games. For some of these guys, it's the biggest game they've been a part of. So I was excited about it. Well, you know how what a lot of us feel. You were excellent. It was incredibly entertaining. And for preseason games, which I know you like to act, you're so serious about, but you kept people there start to finish, um, and it was great. I mean, poor P.J. Walker, the way you talked about him, man. Oh, you were vicious towards old P.J. Walker. He's a nice player, <laughs> and you were wishing you were wishing that he didn't do anything as if it was like the Super Bowl. Off. He played his butt off. Yeah. Carolina, they came out and did what – Teams that they went win three games or so, and they want to change that. And I, I think it's important because we're in the same mode. And we ought to be about this is very serious. You know, all the non playoff teams have got to realize that they were a non playoff team for a reason. And so, in order to change that, you got to change who you are. And so, guys like Stephen Parker, who made my all canine first team, yeah, because he went out there and played, yeah, 16 in your program, he played like his pants were on fire. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. And this week will be a lot of challenges because they're going to be without some of their A players, some of their starters. I don't know if Noel Swetzer will play. And quite frankly, it's the best thing that could happen for this team because you're trying to develop depth. You know those guys can play. But I want to see Chris Paul go after you know Willie Beavers. I want to see Deion Calhoun. I want to see these guys go after it. Uh, King Baloo. I want to see him go after it. So this is our future. Montario, these guys in the back, who knows? Cosme may be a guard. Uh, Cornelius Lucas is coming back. I know they would like to kind of ease him in. He may not have that option. Well, you know me. I don't like talking about players that aren't going to play in the actual game. Um, that's not what I like to do. I like to focus just, exactly. on, just on the players that are going to play in the game. Um, well, why not? And, and you're you're mentioning players that are injured that might not play. So I I um it's not what I do, but you know you you can you can do it the, if you want to do it that way. Um, in all seriousness, though, 
How big of a game is this tomorrow for Antonio Gibson? Well, I think it's a progression for Gibson. The best back on their team, and maybe one of the best backs prospects in the league, is Brian Robinson. He's blue chip. So this is no surprise. You don't expect a guy who's a bell cow. You're not going to beat him out and you're in transition. You're trying to learn something new that he's mastered. So I think these people are ridiculous. They would even think this is a contest. Antonio Gibson can hurt you in a number of different ways. If he holds on to the ball, his fate is complete. He's a millionaire. But I don't want him to lose confidence. He's got to work on that. But in the meantime, Brian Robinson has done this his whole life. He's done this in Pop Warner, high school, college, and he's going to do it in the pros. We're fortunate. This dude is the real McCoy. I like the whole room. You know I love Jonathan Williams. Patterson's going to get a look. And J.D. McKissick on third down is in a class by itself. If these guys make it to the Panthers game healthy, then Turner is going to have a massive repertoire. And that's when we find out how creative that he can be as long as they're not trailing by 14 points, I think they're going to really surprise a lot of people. So do you think right now, is it your prediction that against Jacksonville on September 11th, because that's what I'm focused on, is the opener, Jacksonville September yeah. 11th, um, is that Brian Robinson's going to be the starting running back? I don't know who will start, I w- and I'm not into predictions. <laughs> but I would, I would bet. I would, I would call my favorite bookie in Bethesda, mm-hmm. or D, excuse me, in DC. Yeah. And I would say lay it all on Robinson to end up with the most carries in that first game from the running back position. I would say it'd be number eight. Um, what advice would you give Gibson for the game on Saturday? I told Gibson yeah. because he killed the Bruins when he was at Memphis. I said, dude, you are developing, you're learning a new position at the elite level of pro football. What you got to do is think more beast mode. Think more of a guy that you get through it, through that line of scrimmage and the rest is over. And you got to get this out of your mind. Right now, this is mental. You are fighting yourself. Just go out there and play. I'd like to see this guy on returns. I want to see him everywhere I can in space with the ball in his hands. The rest of it's done. I mean, that, back, that backfield room is, is, is good. It's on him. He holds on. The sky's the limit. If he doesn't, then he'll be watching eight full time. Um, okay, so let's talk about Carson Wentz. First, let me just ask you, since I haven't talked to you on the pod or anything uh, anywhere else that people could hear, what did you think of Carson Wentz against the Panthers? For a guy with his skill set, that was acceptable. He was listening to, to the critics. So his numbers are all less irrelevant. He's not checked down Charlie. He's Daryl LaMonica, the mad bomber. And I want him to feel free to go out there and let that dog go, pull that ripcord, because he gives this offense, he opens things up. But he did what he had to do because he's been listening to people. Where else is he supposed to try things other than training camp? You don't evaluate a surgeon when he is practicing on a corpse. You judge him when that patient's alive. And he's already proven what he's capable of. It's all in his head. He and Gibson just got to get them demons out of their brain and go and play football. If he does that and they're not trailing, then he's going to be awesome. Because to me, he's a play-action freak 
just waiting to happen. So Carson just got to go out and be himself, and hopefully he will get Dotson involved. The only thing I didn't like was the fact that, number one, who has been the preseason baller of the week, I want to see him get the ball in the game. Your quarterback, um, Joe T., told me yesterday on the radio show about Carson. He said, you know, there, it's just going to take time for him to get comfortable. You know, new group of people, new system, new terminology, the whole thing. Uh, so how close to comfortable do you think he is? Well, I'll judge a lot more after today's game. Tomorrow's He's got to take that next yeah, – yeah, tomorrow's game. He's got to take that next step. He's there. I'm not worried about Carson. I'm worried about protection, and I'm worried about our defense giving him the ball back. Carson's not my concern. If I'm worried about a guy who fluttered with with MVP potential, then we're all in trouble. The guy I'm going to see is Heineke go out and play mistake-free and Howell to take the next step. Because this kid reminds me of my quarterback, Joe Theismann in that he's athletic, he's got a gun, all he's got to do is get more reps. And I like the quarterback room. You're talking about Sam Howell there at the end. Sam Howell, yes. Yeah. Um, are you concerned right now about the injuries and the lack of, of reps and the lack of continuity with the offensive line? Uh, yes and no. No well proved he's all I thought he would be all Neanderthal first team. Same thing with Schweitzer. But if they're out, then again, as I mentioned, Chris Paul, 75, Willie Beaver, 64, uh, Calhoun, 66, uh, King Baloo, 62. These are the guys going to be playing. Hopefully, Lucas, 78, will be out there. And Sam Sam <laughs> Cosby, he said, look, he took his first uh, reps at guard uh, the other day, and he said he hadn't done it. I think he's a natural, and he will slide down and do whatever it takes keep this this train moving down the track. You think he's a natural at guard? I think he can play he'll be outstanding at right tackle because that's what he that's where he's at. But I, I talked to him about Mark May and the guys that I played with who were tackles who end up going down to guard if necessary. I think he'll be able to do it all. The question, but he's healthy. He's had a good camp. But right now you are only as good as the players that are able to play. We gotta get five guys out there that can protect the quarterback. I'm not worried about Sam. How is last year's first-round pick, Jamin Davis, doing? How did he do in the game? Do you see progress with him? Absolutely. He's another guy, man, got those demons in his brain. He's listening to talk radio. (laughs) And I told him, cut it off, man. Go out and be you. You are learning a new deal. They selected you as an outside guy. It was their decision to put you in, not yours. Go out and play. He's playing fast. He's playing physical. Same thing with Cole Holcomb, 55 in your program. Be reckless. And he was. And he said, you know, I'm starting to get that feel. And the big bulls up front, we just got to keep offensive linemen off those guys. And if they do it, I think you're going to be fine. Mayo, he's not the best guy in the world in pass coverage. He's a linebacker. Go in there and take on guards, and then we'll be okay. Don't forget about uh, Eichler as well. We, we got some people, but we got to see it in the game. In Kansas City, is a beautiful test because Andy takes preseason seriously. And the Chiefs want to prove that they can run that football. they got some adjustments on their offensive line, and their defense has shown that it's got some bite in it. And, and that's why I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. 
All right, I want to give you a, a name or two of people that I okay. have liked since they got here, and I saw flashes on Saturday, but I don't know how and where they fit in on this team. And I'm going to start with 58, Shaka Tony, who to me uh. is explosive <laughs> off the yeah. edge as just a pass-rushing specialist. Is there a place for him on this team? Yes, indeed. I like Tony. Uh, the lion is, you're right, he's got fast, fast twitch muscles. William Bradley King, 56, don't leave him out. Um, you know, I talked to uh, uh, Rotami, Boomy. I said, hey, man, it's game time. And he just lit up. He says he, he's got something to prove. Casey Tuhill, unsung hero, fast twitch guy, playmaker. Every time he's in there, he makes plays. And so these are guys backing up James Smith-Williams, who don't forget him, he's your starter. Yeah. And and all he does is just continually show and flash and makes plays. These are good football players. They may not go to the Olympics, but these guys are football players. But don't you think Tony has like a, a quick twitch as a pure pass rusher, edge pass rusher that you you know you don't see a lot? Like there's some real speed. I'm not saying he's an every down player. But if he doesn't make it here, he's going to be on an NFL roster somewhere. Oh, he's an NFL player. You're absolutely right. He flashes. You've seen that. And that's what you're looking for. It's the same thing with a guy like Percy Butler, safety 35. These guys, they have the ability to break glass with quickness and speed. And you beat guys, just like the kid in Dallas, uh, you know, who's a Nittany Lion. These guys are unusual athletes. May not, yeah, may not be the biggest. Don't have to be. What you have to do is be able to separate, and that's what Tony has. Uh, Jonathan Williams, you already mentioned him. I think you and I talked about him last week. Yeah, I thought he yep. played well last year when he got an opportunity, and I thought he looked good again last week. Is there a place for him on this team or not? Yeah, your eyes aren't lying, man. They really aren't because this is the time of the year these guys have to post. They can't come up silent now. They get snaps, go play. Just like the young tight ends. They're decimated in injuries. And I say, hey, congratulations. You know, you look at Rodgers. Hey, man, go take a job. Go show. If everybody were healthy, you wouldn't be playing until the fourth quarter. Now you're starting. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. One of the tight ends that played last week, uh, I think you mentioned look out for him, was the quarterback from Ohio, 88, Rodgers. I mean, yep. fluid. Like I like, I like forty-five too. The big, the big kid, the six-eight kid. But eighty-eight, yep, yep. eighty-eight Rogers, not Hodges. Rogers looks like one of those real fluid, you know, quarterback-like athletes. I mean, there, there is, Thomas might not be ready for the opener. Cole Turner's hurt, and I know you liked him. Yep. But but does yep. is Rogers a player or not? Or are we just seeing you know a, a, a preseason guy that has to fill in because the starters and the front liners are out? No, you're seeing the second generation of Logan Thomas. That's yeah, what you're right. seeing. Yeah, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a guy who's cerebral, who's long, he's athletic, and when he's in a three point stance in the run game, he's not a liability. All you got to do, you're not blowing people up, but what you got to do is stay in their face and not be thrown around like a rag doll. For an ex-quarterback to be as good as he is right now is frightening. Yeah. Last one is I liked him when they drafted him out of NC State, but he's been hurt and he's really not gotten an opportunity. But can Kelvin Harmon play or not? 
Man, I tell you, I've been around you way too long. That might be one of my favorite players on the team because he, he you know, he's not Nick. He stays healthy. Of course, these guys have got to be marvels on special teams. They got to make it on teams. But if you got somebody, Nick, the highlight of the whole game one was Curtis Samuel and the fact that he survived it. Right. He's had a heck of a week here on the field. He's been out. He is, he's magical. But Calvin Harmon um, reminds me a lot of – he and Cam, Cam Sims are guys I'd want on my football team. they got to do a lot of other things for you. But in the red zone, killers. Because they got big bodies and they can separate and they got that catch radius that everybody's talking about now. So, yes, you have uh, – either you stole my notes – or I've been around you way too much in my life. No, I've just been around you too much um, in my life. All right, last one, and again, tomorrow, 4 p.m. kickoff at Arrowhead. Doc and Kenny Albert on the call. Logan Paulson on the sideline. If you didn't watch Bruin, la- uh, Bruin tight end, if you didn't watch last week, um, and he's not going to say much here. He, you know, he he thinks he he's got a lot a, a lot of improvement from week one to week two. But it was an. Enter- oh, I'll be better. I'll be better. I'll be better tomorrow. No <laughs> doubt about it. And, uh, see, that's where Doc and I have been around each other far too long. Is after a show. Yeah, I I, I just got to be better. It's got to be better next time. I'll be better. Isn't that what you told everybody after you just absolutely slayed it in week one? I- I'll be better. I-, I can do a lot better than I did today. Um, Absolutely. I have to be. you got to get better every every rep. Well, you come, Every time you're out, you got to get better. You come from the Joe Gibbs school, which is under promise, yeah. over deliver. Uh, over deliver. Absolutely. So are you going to be upset if the starters come out after two or three series? No, not at all. They, and they shouldn't come out after two or three series. They ought to get a quarter, quarter and a half. I said, are you going to be upset they, if yeah. they come out after no, two or no, three? No, Don't you I'm want not. them to play no, more? No, I'm not. Nah, I want them to play well. I want them to get in a rhythm, put together a drive and score, three or seven. I want to see them come off the football, and I want to see them protect. you got to play at least into the second quarter. I would love to see guys going in half and come out and start the third quarter if I had my preference. And then I'd pull them out after the first series in the third quarter. Then I'd be satisfied. But I'm not not going to get my wish. I'm not a coach. But that's what I would want to see. All right. Uh, Have fun tomorrow. You're going to one of the best venues the league has. Uh, You know, it's only a preseason game, but those people will be there cheering for them. And it's a, by the way, it's a really good test for the defense, right? To face Mahomes and that offense. I remember what you used to say when we would be doing preseason games on the pregame show and, and they were playing the Ravens and you would just say, this is what you want in the preseason. You know, you yes. want to get tested, and so they're going to get tested by Mahomes and the Kansas City offense. This is a good thing for the defense tomorrow, right? Yeah. Return home for Kendall Fuller Yeah, and Jackson. They got something to prove in. I mean, they, they, they can play better. They got to play better. If we might get to see Benjamin St. Juice, that'll be a big up shot in the arm for the defense if he's able to play. If not, Danny Johnson or Elder, I'll take either guy. Whoever's out there, I'm with them. And because we got to have, we got to be fifty-three strong, not eleven, not twenty-two, fifty-three men strong in order to be a playoff team and get to that eleven-win goal that I've established. That it's eleven or or nothing or more, because we have got to get out of this seven-win syndrome that we're currently involved in. 
All right. Uh, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the trip, and I will talk to you uh, over the weekend after the game. Appreciate it. Hey, brother. I'm glad I could fill in for you and uh, give Cooley my best. I hope he gets better. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, it's really nice. Uh, I appreciate you doing this for me because I know you had a lot of other options. Um, I will talk. Oh, God. I will yeah. Ta- yeah. I'll talk to you later on. Doc Walker, everybody. All right, brother. Good. All right, uh, that's it with Doc. Again, 4 o'clock tomorrow, uh, Washington and Kansas City at Arrowhead on NBC Sports Washington. All right, let's talk more league, uh, NFL, with Ross Tucker next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, joining me on the podcast right now is Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, uh, which you can get anywhere you get a podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Uh, we will ask him, as we have in the past, about his entrepreneurial, uh, you know, a bug. Uh, Ross is involved in a lot of businesses that he is a part of, including myfrontpagestory.com, which is a really cool. Um, gift uh, idea for uh, the special person in your life. But we'll start off by talking some football. All right, I, give me your reaction on what happened yesterday with Deshaun Watson. 11 games, a $5 million fine, which is you know a charitable donation, which is tax deductible. Um, and, then, and then some of the follow-up to it, you know, some of the comments he made, some of the comments Aslam made. What was your overall reaction to yesterday? Yeah, so listen, I think no matter what the punishment was, Devin, there's always going to be a large group, a large percentage of people that think it's not enough. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with people that believe the punishment should have been more severe. What I believe, though, and this might even be coming from me, selfishly, because I have a daily podcast talking about the NFL, I think the NFL really wanted to avoid the courts. You know, I think they recognized that if they spent him for the full year, that he was going to sue them, and this was going to drag out and go to the legal system and this appellate judge and that, and it would just prolong a really ugly, ugly episode for everybody involved. And I don't think they wanted that. I, I don't think that they thought that was good for them. And so and I, I kind of agree with them. You know, I, I'm glad personally that there's not a long, 
the Browns have a winning record or are very much in the mix when Deshaun plays in early December, it's not real high. I mean, the AFC is good. The Browns have uh, some holes at receiver, and obviously, you know, Jacoby Brissett will be one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So when you combine that with Watson coming off of almost a two-full-year layoff, I just don't really envision the Browns actually being in the mix. They were the odds. You know, best-case scenario, maybe they're five and six at that point, maybe. And then you got a guy that hasn't played two years. I think the, the odds that they're still in the mix and able to, to make the playoffs are very slim. And I think he'll end up playing in essentially meaningless games, playing out the string in December and January, which is not ideal and not all that fun, quite frankly, to be playing in for the minimum, by the way, for the league minimum. So that's my thoughts on the punishment part of it. The part that I think the NFL is probably curious about and that rubs me the wrong way is how he feel, it feels like he's changed his yeah, you know he did that. He did that interview yep. with Aditi Kinkabala, where he said, "You know, I'm sorry to the women. And I'm sorry for everything that happened." And the NFL even came out and said that they felt like that was a big step. Well, then now they reached this agreement, and Kev he like went out of his way. I know to say he didn't do anything wrong. He. Uh, he never disrespected any women, and you know he just did this to move on because it triggered other people, and that really rubs me the wrong way. He must have the worst PR. Person oh my God! I hundred percent right. I mean, why did know, they how let? Hard is it? Why did they let him speak? Yeah. I mean, the statement from the team from him was fairly benign, and then they let him meet with the media. It was just dumb. I'll tell you why. Because he was eventually going to be asked those questions anyway, and they wanted to get it all done in one fell swoop. You know, he was going to answer those questions in that manner whenever he was asked them. They don't want to wait till October or November when he's coming back to practice or when he's games. They wanted that to get that out of the way as soon as possible. But to me, it's like it's so easy to say, you know, I, I'm I'm so sorry to the women, you know, that felt uncomfortable or what. You know, there's ways to word it without saying, you know, um, I didn't disrespect any women because. If 24 file a civil lawsuit against you, you necessarily disrespect them. It's like we don't get to decide who's offended or not offended. In People decide who's offended or not. Deshaun Watson doesn't get to decide, you know, whether or not he disrespected these. And that's the language he keeps using. Uh, but uh, it's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I agree, and I talked about that um, in the open uh, of the podcast. All right, uh, let's let's talk some football. Actually, one other kind of non-on-the-field um, story, because he's not on the field right now, 
Do you have any idea what's going on with Tom Brady right now? Well, clue I've gotten is that they said um, that they knew about this before camp started. Right. And um, I think Ian Rappaport said that it was a a work-life balance. And so, Kev, my best guess is that he went on vacation (laughs) or that he's spending time with his family before the – like, he knows what the season's like, and he knows how much of a grind it is, and he's got to be all in preparing those weeks. And honestly, man, it sounds like a compromise with his wife. Like, okay, well, if you're going to play another year, I want some time before the season starts. I, you know, we, I want some quality time. And they let him do it. And so, what, I mean, what are they going to say? He's Tom Brady. So on the one hand, you know, more power to him, Kev. Can you, I mean, I played seven years. Can you imagine asking for, like, a couple weeks off during training camp? I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> He's in a position where he can do that. I'm crazy jealous on one level. On the other hand, though, you know, I was teammates with Tom in 05 and 06, and I'm a big fan of him as a player and a person. It's really hard to argue, though, that he, um, you know, it's hard to argue he's all in for this season. And it's hard to argue he's doing everything possible to win a championship when you just take 10 days off in the middle of training camp. You know, he's got new left guard, new center. You know, they've got some new receiving options with Russell Gage, Julio Jones. And he'll say, you know, I got enough working with them. I'm fine. But you just can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't do this vacation and say, or whatever he's doing and say that you're all in. Yeah, but he is the GOAT, and uh, this is probably the one player in probably NFL history that there's not going to be much pushback because the option is not having him at all, and that's that's not an option that you want to consider if you're the Buccaneers. All right, let's talk some football. Um, what are your thoughts of this team here, the Washington, as they are now known, the Commanders? Yeah, I kind of like their under on the season win total, and we talk about betting a lot uh, on the Even Money Betting Podcast, probably the best way to frame the conversation, Kev, because their season win total right now is at eight and a half. Now that's and, that's uh, a big I number. I've got, I've got, I've, I've found a bunch of seven and a halfs and eights. I haven't seen an eight and a half anywhere. Uh, that's interesting. It might have gone down since last time I saw half for Washington and a seven and a half for the Giants and I loved the eight and a half under for Washington. I, to me, both New York and Washington are six to eight win teams probably. You know, they've got a quarterback that turns the ball over a lot, fumbles a lot, and has reportedly been erratic in camp and we've seen that. Now they've got a running back that fumbles a lot. Not a, not a great combo. It's not a great combo. They're firing D-line coaches. There's always sort of a um, a dark cloud over the franchise. I would just tell you, I think six to eight wins is a lot more likely than you know nine or ten. All right, you're a Philly guy. You you know you work um, on the Phillies uh, on on the Eagles uh, broadcast. 
and and by the way, do a lot of other games as well. You hear Ross all the time on Saturdays. I don't know what you're going to be doing this year. You can tell me um, when, when we wrap this up. But um, you saw him up close and personal, so you've kind of indicated you're not necessarily a big fan of Wentz right now anyway, uh, so you, you don't think it'll work out here. I, I'm, is that the net of it? Well, working out an interesting term. Um, I don't think he'll be the long-term quarterback in Washington, but I do think someone at some point is going to be willing to live with what he brings to the table. You know, he wasn't terrible in Indy last year. And I think someone, if you're willing to have the two or three games where he just makes ridiculously bad plays that cost you the game, and then other than that, he'll do a lot of positive things. You know, I guess I feel like Kev, he's always going to be better than three or four starting quarterbacks, and maybe more than that. But I don't know if a team is ever going to say again, this is our guy for the next five to eight years. Let's talk about the NFC East. For me, the biggest, you know, if in the division is in Philadelphia, because if Jalen Hurts takes a step forward as a passer, I think Philadelphia is a 12-win-plus team. What do you think of the Eagles and the Cowboys? There's, there's no question. Um, I'd be very surprised. And by the way, I'm literally driving to Cleveland as we're talking, Kevin, to go to the Eagles-Browns joint practice today um, before I call their game on Sunday. I, I, I don't see how the Eagles don't win 10 or 11 games. I, I mean, I'd be very surprised given all the additions. Plus, it's hurt second full year as a starter. Sirianni's second year as a head coach. And what I think a lot of people forget is Jalen Hurts hasn't had the same offense since he was 16 years old. He's had to learn a new offense every year since his senior year of high school. Alabama had three coordinators, and he goes to Oklahoma, and the NFL he's had two. I mean, he's finally able to grow upon what he did the year before, and that's significant. You know, there's a reason why certain guys perform at certain levels when they're with the same team for a number of years in a row. They, they just have more and more comfort in the system. So I would agree. I mean, there, there's a lot on Hurts' shoulders because he's really the one big question mark on a team that has a very talented roster. I think the Cowboys have taken a step back. And I think you look around the rest of the NFC, it's like, okay, the Packers I don't think are going to be as good. The Rams don't seem very likely to repeat. The Bucks, you know, are in a situation where they've already had some major injuries. I mean, it feels like, I'm not saying it's the Eagles, but it feels like somebody could really go on a run in the NFC, like all the way to the Super Bowl maybe. I agree with you. I mean, I, I liked Philly last year, and I that, that they were one of my big preseason prop bets on their over number last year. And I understand they beat up some bad teams, including Washington twice down the stretch uh, to, to get to the playoffs. And they didn't play very well in that playoff game. And Jalen Hurts didn't play very well in that playoff game. But 
I, I, there's something about Hertz that I like. I think I'm in the, I, I'm in the minority on that, but they are loaded around him. And if he's, you know, if he takes that next step, I think they are a legitimate NFC championship contender. I do. I mean, you, you just said you don't know if it's the Eagles. I think it could be the Eagles. You know, I think it could be the Vikings, too. There are a couple of teams. Um, I think the Saints, if Jameis Winston, you know, takes, uh, you know, ever gets back to being, you know, at least healthy and and you know, the risk taker he is, but that's a, that's a talented team. So, you know, right now, you, you mentioned Green Bay. That was one of my questions, and you think it could be a step-back season. You know, give me the teams that in the NFC that you think have a legit chance of representing the conference in the Super Bowl. Let's go the Rams, the Bucks, the Packers. They're still all in the mix. Um, the Eagles, for sure. I think maybe the Saints. And I think maybe the Niners. I think if, if Trey Lance is what we think he can be, the Niners for sure would be in the mix. That's probably about it. I mean, I guess you can make an argument for the Cowboys, but I, I just think they're taking a step back. Who wins the AFC West? You know, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Um, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos because I'm a big believer in the subconscious value of having a quarterback like Russell Wilson. You know, it elevates everybody in the organization. I think I probably told this before, Kev, but, like, you know, when I played with Bledsoe in Buffalo, we thought we were going to win. You know, he's a good quarterback. We thought we were going to win. When I played with Brady in New England, we knew we were going to win. Like, we had Tom Brady. We're going to win the game. And then when I played with some other guys who remain nameless, man, late in the game, close game, you're just kind of hoping the guy can do it, you know? And I think the Broncos have had a bunch of hope guys lately, and now they haven't. We know we're going to win because they've seen Russell Wilson do it late in games so often, which I think is a which I think is a big deal. I think it's a really big deal, and I think as a result, uh, I think the Bron- the Broncos are going to surprise a bunch of people. The Tim Patrick injury hurts, but I I kind of like the Broncos. Yeah, I think it's the best top to bottom division. We've seen as football fans, at least going into a season, I mean, it could change. There could be a lot of injuries. But I don't know that we've ever seen four teams in a division um, be this good simultaneously. I mean, I, I know the the NFC West, you know, last year going into it looked super loaded. Um, but, man, I mean, just the quarterbacks alone, Wilson, Mahomes, uh, Herbert and you know Derek Carr's the worst you know worst quarterback in that division by a lot, and he's still a pretty good quarterback. All right, tell um, real quickly though, what what college game? Who are you going to be doing college games again this year? Yeah, I'll be doing fifteen games for uh, CBS Sports again, including all the Army football home games, which I love. I'll get a bunch of Mountain West games. Actually, I'm going to the new stadium, San Diego State, got a new stadium. I'll be out there. A couple times I'll go to Air Force, which is always a fun trip. So, yeah, I mean, I love doing college football games on TV. So that'll be awesome. A bunch of, I'll do at least 10 games for Westwood One, NFL games on the radio, um, and of course, Army Navy for them. And then, you know, obviously the Eagles stuff, the preseason games, which is always a blast. It's always fun when 
people from the other team are watching and they call me a homer and I'm like, yeah, I'm literally getting paid by the Eagles for this. Well, you just like, you, you just followed on this podcast Doc Walker, um, who is doing back in the booth again, which is where he should be. He's doing the, uh, the, the Washington preseason games for NBC Sports Washington, and he is – he was so he was so much fun to listen to last week. We can't wait for tomorrow. All right, real quickly before we roll, tell everybody about myfrontpagestory.com. So it's simply the best, most unique gift you can get anybody these days. It's a front page story for your significant other. You know, maybe an anniversary coming up or a birthday, or maybe it's for your mom or your dad. We write a story about them, how awesome they are after getting some quotes from you. It looks like it's on the cover of, like, the Washington Post. It looks absolutely beautiful. And I've seen the videos, Kev. They cry when they get it. Evidently, a lot of people get married in September and October. So maybe it's a great anniversary gift. I don't know how you allowed your wife to get away with that and get married during football season. But if you did that and get an anniversary coming up, just trust me, myfrontpagestory.com. Way better than whatever else you're going to give her, like an Olive Garden gift card or whatever. It's much better, I promise. Myfrontpagestory.com. You just said something, and I, 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 that surprises me. September and October are the most popular months for marriages, for weddings? The, the two most popular months, yes, September and October. I would have thought it would have been Isn't the spring. I would have thought it would have been the spring, but what you said in follow-up is so true. Of course, not everybody, you know, uh, we live in this world where, you know, we, it would be heresy to actually uh, have somebody get uh, uh, get married on a football weekend, but there are a lot of people that couldn't give a shit about football season. But I would have always thought that it would have been like, spring like march april weddings i don't know um that's interesting that's oh i thought i thought i thought may i thought may was the yeah, biggest may. month but evidently yeah. it's, september, it's september october so yeah uh, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are losers but they can make up for it by getting a good anniversary gift <laughs> at thank you as always hope everything is well good luck with all the work you're doing myfrontpagestory.com for a, a great gift and um, follow Ross and listen to his podcast. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks for doing this. Sounds great. See you, Kev. All right, that is it for the show today. Thanks to Doc Walker. Thanks to Ross Tucker. Back on Monday.